0: Well, there was a stranger who was walking down a residential street and he noticed that there was this man and he was struggling with a washing machine at the doorway of his house. And so when the stranger came up to the uh, to the person at the house, he uh, offered to help. And so he, the man gladly accepted the help. And so the two of them struggled to get this machine into the house and just couldn't get it done. Just, just seemed like it was, wasn't going real well and After a while of this struggle, they finally put the machine down, and the guy who was walking along the street, and he just says, he says, man, I don't think we're ever going to get this washing machine into the house. And the guy said, into the house? I'm trying to get it out. (laughs) Well, I mean, some things just seem like a struggle, aren't they? (laughs) We need to get on the same page of things. We need to... We need to make sure that we're going in the right direction because otherwise our progress is not all that visible. (laughs) We want to be talking about here about tracking our progress as we've been into the series on fruitfulness. How many of you like those things? You know, We all buy things online now, right? It's not pretty much everybody can get up there and do that. I like the places where you buy something online and then they send you the email and the email has a link and you can track it. Now understand this, I've done enough of them that you can track it if it's a UPS tracking number. You can track it if it's a FedEx tracking number. But if it belongs to the USPS, forget it. (laughs) When that thing arrives, you will find out about it then. Because I have tracked more of them. They say, we're waiting for information on this. We have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Every time you go up there, we're waiting for it. No information is due. And then it arrives on your doorstep. Oh, there it is. But you know, if you have a UPS or a FedEx tracking number, I mean, you can tell, oh, it's over here in Nebraska. Oh, it's getting closer. It's over in Virginia. Oh, now it's being dropped off. It's over in Allentown. Or it's out in Westchester. And you can find, oh, it's on the truck today. It's supposed to be delivered today. Oh, and and my guy usually comes by around this time. And you know, right when it's coming, especially if it's something you're excited about getting, you can track that package and see it coming the whole way on over. And you know, we've advanced since then. I found out that there are programs you can get for your... Your little portable devices, and even your computer. And how many of you ever had somebody who's traveled by plane? You can track it the entire way. You can see exactly where it is over the United States. And so some people that I've had traveling, I've uh, I got their flight number, and I punch it into my little program, and I can see the, the you know has little little picture of their little airplane, and it's just flying across the country, and I can tell exactly where they are, and and how they are and getting there. I find out you know they're going to be ten minutes early, they'll be fifteen minutes late. Or whatever it might be, you can see wherever they are. Oh, it's so much fun. Isn't tracking good? Well, we want to talk about tracking our progress. We've been getting into the pruning process that the Lord Jesus has for us. We talked about uh, over in John chapter 15 how that Jesus is the vine. Not only is he the vine, he is the true vine. Any other vine is a false vine. He is the true vine, he's the one we have to be attached to. We found out that we are the branches. We are the ones who bear fruit and that the father is the vine dresser. We are not vine dressers. Jesus is not the vine dresser. The father is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And so we get attached to him and he finds that we find out that we're to bear fruit. And if we don't bear fruit, we get cut off. So bearing fruit was important, but a lot of times people weren't always sure, am I really bearing fruit? I like to think I'm bearing fruit, but am I bearing fruit? So we spent some weeks on looking at what is the fruit and how can I tell if I bear it? And So we spent a lot of time on that to figure out those kind of things. But then we began to look at the pruning process that the Father goes through as being the vine dresser. Because those branches, it says in John chapter 15, those branches that bear fruit, He prunes that they bear more fruit. So He starts with a fruitful branch And then prunes it so that it becomes more fruit-bearing. So if we are fruit-bearing, he wants to make us even more fruit-bearing. And so he prunes us. And so we've been examining this pruning process. And looking at this and we we saw some things. The negative side of pruning is when we have those, those faults those sins, those things that hinder us. And certainly we can understand that, that He has to prune those things off. But then we progressed over to some other things and we found out that not only is the pruning process to get rid of the negative, but the pruning process is to add on the positive. And we looked at how some some people had this. Peter was one example we looked at. And Peter was doing pretty well. He had grown pretty well. He was bearing fruit. And then the the vision came to him. The Father began to prune him. And the vision came to Peter and Peter said, rise, or it was said, rise, kill and eat. And the Lord was trying to expand him and show him some new things to get into. And sometimes the father prunes us and he, he steers us in new directions. He puts us into, into new things. He adds things to us. Maybe it might be a language. Maybe it might be a particular talent. Maybe it might be a particular interest, whatever it might be. He begins to steer us and to bring us into these areas. And so that these, these additions are put on us so that we can bear more fruit God wants us to bear fruit. Oh, He wants us to bear even more fruit and be fruitful. Well, as I was praying about this aspect of the fruitfulness series, there are three things that came to me as far as the stages in the believer's development. Three stages that we will reach as a believer's development. Now, you can track yourself. You can track your own progress. And you'll be able to, by the time we're finished here, you will be able to identify what stage you are in. Because the stages are very visible. And they're very easy to see. But there are three distinct phases that we will go through as far as our progress is concerned. The first stage we see in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew, and the 19th chapter. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments... He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here is the first stage. This young man is in the first stage of development. Whether he got out of it after this, we don't know. But he's in the first stage of development. The first stage of its development is what I need. When we are in the first stage of development, it's all about what I need. Now, this corresponds exactly along the lines of how we as humans develop. When a human being is born into this earth and you have the little baby, what is their focus? What? I need. I'm wet. I want to be dry. I'm hungry. I want to be fed. I'm not happy. Make me happy. (laughs) Right? I mean, (laughs) that's pretty much how it is. They are focused on what they need. I'm ready to be up. So everybody else is up. I want to be entertained. Entertain me. The, the whole focus on these little ones is what I need. Now, how many of us are trying to educate the little babies into getting out of that? No, when they, when they cry, what do you do? Now, are you being considerate of others? Do you think you're the only one with a wet diaper around here? Right? I mean, do we do that? No, when they cry, when they, when they cry, we come in to find out what it is. Oh, they got a wet diaper, so we take care of the wet diaper. We don't try and alter them. We minister to their needs because what I need at that stage of development is important. There's nothing wrong with it. If they get to the age of, you nope, know, 13, and they're still in that what I need stage, how many know this is a problem? We're trying to, we are definitely working on getting them out of this. I know some of you are sitting there and say, I have a 30 year old. Well, we're just talking about this stage here right now. What I need. This man came and says, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? People that are in this stage are looking at what do I need to do? What must I get? What must I pursue? What is wrong with me? What do I need? How can I grow? This is the first stage of development. Folks, there is nothing wrong with the first stage of development if you are in first stage development. If that's where you are, that's fine. The goal is to get out of it. But you need to get everything out of the first stage of development. There's nothing wrong with it. If you come across another Christian, newborn Christian, and they're in the first stage of development, and they're focused on what I need, that's all right. Help them out. Do the equivalent, not the same thing, but the equivalent of feed them. Pat them on the back. Burp them, all that sort of stuff. You know, help them out. Get them out of that thing. Minister to them. Help them. The thing that stands out most to me in this stage, the thing that stands out most to me is my works. What I have done. And so when I come to God in prayer, I'm in first stage development prayers. When I come to God in prayer, I'm praying to God, God, I have, I've done this today. I've done that today. I I sinned over here. I messed up over here, but I did this. This was pretty good. But I need this. And I need this. And I need this. Is this not first stage development prayers? How many of you prayed them? And how many of you grew up just fine? Because it's in first stage. And God knows that's all we know in prayer. And God ministers to us. God helps us out. Doesn't sit there and say, Well, get better and then I'll listen to you. I'm focused on what I need to stop. I'm focused on what I need to start. Isn't that right? I need to stop this. I need to start this. I need to get rid of that thing. I'm focused on what I need to receive. This is the first stage of development. Get what you can out of that. Get what you're supposed to get out of that. When God had babies come into this earth, He had, had them born in this first stage. So you walk in there. In this stage, the focus is our speaking to God. When we come to prayer, there isn't a whole lot of listening, is it? It's about us talking to God. And we're telling God about our day. We're telling God about our needs. We're telling God about our problems. We're telling God about what uh, what I need to understand here and, and, and this thing over here and my frustrations in this area. That's all we do. Most people in this stage never come to God outside of the fact that I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. For, for needs, they won't be praying to God much at all. But again, it's first stage. Now, a person in this stage will be described as religious. I don't mean religious in a bad sense. I mean religious in that you are following after God according to a set of rules and regulations. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt do this. Quit this. Start this. That's how we worship God. That's how we're functioning after God. That's how we're going after God. First stage development, folks. It's not wrong. It has its place. But it's the first stage. How fruit-bearing are we going to be in the first stage of development? Second stage. Second Timothy chapter 2. We read over this last week. I wanted to read over it again to you. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenes and Philetus are of this sort. Who have strayed concerning the truth? I'm, am I in the right spot? Yep. Okay. I thought maybe I skipped ahead to another chapter. Who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal: the Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wooden clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. In this passage of Scripture are all three stages of development. You can probably already pick out the first stage. As we go on through, you can go back on over to this passage and read through it again. You will see all the stages here. <clears throat> but verse 15 again. Be diligent... To present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A person in the second stage of development is a person who is focused on what God wants of me. Before, it's what I need. Now I'm beginning to change and I'm looking for what, what is it that God wants of me? I know what I need, but beyond what does God want of me? How does God want me to behave? How does God want me to operate myself? How does God want me to to do things? That's the second stage of development. What does God want of me? In the human side, first stage, baby cries, gets what it wants. In the second stage, as we move on up, they begin to grow up and to find out what does dad, what does mom want of me? How many times have you seen the young kids as they grow up, they are trying to do what? Please... Mom and dad. Because their focus is changing from what I need to what does mom and dad want of me? What do they want? What makes mom happy? Oh, if I do the dishes, mom gets thrilled. If I cut the lawn, dad's ecstatic. Oh, this I know what I can do. And we begin to focus on what does my mom and dad want? And as a Christian we begin the second stage. We begin to focus not so much on what I need, but what does my Father want of me? What is He telling me in His Word that He wants... How does He want me to behave? How does He want me to to help Him? How does He want me to, to, to view the world? How does He want me to speak? How does He want me to pray? I've been coming to God and saying, I need this, I need that, I need this. But God, how do you want me to pray? And you see this in the disciples because one time the disciples came up to Him and they said, Jesus... Teach us how to pray. What, do they not know how to make requests? Everybody knows how to make requests, don't they? What do they want? Now we want... There, there's something more there. Pray. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to... We know how to, to speak to God. But what does God want? In order for that, we have to know how to, how to pray. Because prayer is a conversation with God. Prayer is not speaking to God. Prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation... How do we have this conversation? We're watching you, Jesus, and we're seeing that, that you hear things from the Father and you say them. In fact, you had told us that. What I hear from the Father, I say. I speak what He says. And you get this in these times of prayer that you have. How is it that you pray and that you not only speak to Him, but that He speaks back to you? Can you teach us how to do that? Can you teach us so that we can walk in that way? See, I'm leaving the first stage. And I'm entering into the second stage. What is the Father? What? What does God want? What God wants of me? Over in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How many? That doesn't mean everybody in the world. That means everybody that he's writing to, which is the church. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, and you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So, we're all born again. We're all part of the family and we're all heirs. Those that have received Jesus Christ, those that have believed in Him through faith. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child does not differ at all from a slave. Is the child a slave? No, but he doesn't differ from a slave. Though he is master of all, he, but he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. How many of you all know that we've been adopted into the family of God? You would be wrong. I don't know about you, but I was born into the family of God. Weren't you? Well, how can you be born into the family of God and adopted into the family of God? Obviously, the Word of God conflicts. We ought to just throw the whole thing out. Come on, really. Either you are born into the family or you're adopted. When we became a Christian, do we get born into the family or we adopted? We were born again. So therefore, we are born into the family of God. So why is he talking about adoption? Because the word here is huyaphysia, which means the placement of sons. We don't understand it because we don't have the same ceremony. Today they call it the bar mitzvah. But back then it was, it was this particular ceremony. And what you had was, you had a son who was born in the family who was an heir, but differed no, no different than a slave, which means he had no right to what he had as inheritance. No right to it. It was his, but he couldn't touch it. Because he was a child. And so what you had was the ceremony of the the adoption of sons. The huiafasia. The son placing. In which you took one who was born as a son and placed him into the position of a son. So we as Christians, what Paul is using, he's using their terminology for what they understand as Jewish folks or the time time in that they were there. And he's saying it's this way. Just as you were born into a family, but you couldn't tap into the inheritance until you are placed into the position as a son. In the same way spiritually, it goes exactly the same way. You have the inheritance of God at your disposal, but as a child, you can't touch it. (coughs) But when you become a son, Ah, now things are different. You are born into the position of a son, but you have no rights as a son of God, child of God, until you are placed into that position. And once you are placed in that position, then the inheritance is yours. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? Do you remember the, the son who went astray came to the Father and said, give me what is... You know why? Because He had gone through the ceremony. He had been placed in the position of a son and He had every right to it. Up until that point, He did not have the right to it. But from that point on, He had the right to it. It was His. And so He said, give me what is mine. And He took what was His and He went off. And we know the rest of the story and how He had lived and things that He had done. So an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. Verse 2, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So what happens is they have guardians and stewards and they're put around to help train up the child, help the child understand how to act as as an heir, how to be responsible with the money. Because once he gets it, once he's put in that position, he can do anything he wants to with it. We want to make sure we don't have people that just run amok and just waste it. We want to train them right. Because that's their inheritance. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Even so we, children, are you born again? You wouldn't be a child if you weren't born again, would you? As a born again child, first stage of development, you were under stewards and guardians. In other words, you have a religious relationship. It's a list of do's and don'ts. What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? Those lists of do's and don'ts are your guardians and stewards. Trying to train you up, trying to point you in a direction to get to a place where you will be a son. A son. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons, the placing of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, into our hearts, crying out, Abba Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and begardly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. So they first all came out of a heathen existence, but then they came under a childhood, a they were sons. They were born into the kingdom, but they were no different than the slave. But the goal was to get past that and to go beyond that. And they did. No longer under stewards. No longer under these guardians. The law was not to be used anymore to train you up. Because now we have the Holy Spirit. And he says, now you're going back to these things. Now you're going back to this, this area. We don't need to go into that, into that spot. We need to walk in the area of sons and become sons. The thing that stands out in the most uh, in, in this one is God's works. I become very mindful not of the things I have done. In in the first stage, I'm coming to God and saying, God, I've done this. God, I've done this. Look at what I did over here. And how about this? Did this give me any brownie points? Did this give me any extra credit? The thing that stands out here most is what God does. I'm becoming tuned into who God is, who the Son is, what it is to be in Christ What the power of Christ is. Put this in your outline. Who I am in Christ. What I have in Christ. The inheritance. My calling. And my place in the family. These are things I'm becoming acutely aware of in the second stage of development. In the first stage, the focus was what I'm speaking to God. In this stage, the focus is God speaking to me. Because once I hit this stage, I find out I learn a whole lot more when God speaks to me than when I speak to Him. Just like when we grow up as children, there comes a point where we realize, I learn a lot more if I listen to Dad, if I listen to Mom, than if I tell them. Don't we hit that point at some point? Don't we finally realize that, you know what, they're smarter than us. And I need to listen. We get to that point. And in this spot, we, we realize, God is smarter than me. I need to listen. I need to hear what He has to say. God's speaking to us. A person in this stage would be described as sincere. They have a sincere, s- sincereness about their faith. There's a genuineness that is there about their faith that you don't see before. Because before you're just listen, living up to a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not real. But now you're hearing from God. God's speaking to you. You're You're saying, God, what is it that I need to do to... To, to walk into your will, to walk into calling. I, I want to walk after, I want to please you. In 1 Peter 1, verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently this sincerity will have an effect on you but that's the second stage of development first stage I'm speaking to God I'm not doing this I'm doing this but you only get so far ah but the second stage I'm listening to God I'm hearing from God he's speaking to me I'm finding out who I am in Christ what I have as the inheritance John chapter 4 John chapter 4 In this one we're going to find out, the third stage. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph or Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was or who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, "Call or Go call your husband and come here. And Jesus answered and said, I have no husband. Or, I'm sorry, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you do say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. I'll tell you what, how many people... That Jesus minister to? Did he ever say that to? How many of the Jewish people did he ever come off to and say, I'm whom, whom is speaking to you. I'm him. He doesn't do that, does he? But here he, he kind of breaks rank and he, he does it. He, he speaks. I'm, I'm the one. You say you're looking for the Christ. I'm in. I'm the one. I'm the one. And with that, you know, she, of course, left and, and went into the city. But this woman is not in her third stage of development. I didn't think you uh, really thought that. But in the third stage of development, we are focused on what others need. What others need. First stage of development, I'm focused on what I need. Second stage of development, I'm focused on what what does God want. Third stage, what do others need? What do others need? That's my focus. As we look at this story, we see that, first off, Jesus had water to give, didn't He? He had water to give. And He said, I'm going to give you water that will spring up in you. Fountains of living water. Fountains of living water. Now, that's the third stage of development, folks. Because the first stage of development, it's not a fountain. The second stage of development, you're looking for it. You know, it's out there, but it's not quite there yet. But then the third stage, now it's a fountain. And in the third stage of development, you will put yourself in places, in positions, to minister to other people, even though you don't know why. You don't know what to say. You don't know how to say it. Do you remember we looked at Peter and how Jesus, or how Peter was sent to, uh, to the home? And they, they sent for him, and they knew all the details where he was what his name was, and they sent for him. And and Peter knew who was coming, how many, and where they wanted him to go. And he went. And when they get there, Peter's expecting, y'all have some questions for me. And they say, we expect you have some answers for us. Yeah, I do. Uh, what's What's your questions? We don't have any questions. We just, we were told to get you. And apparently, Jesus left out the detail of what was supposed to be said. But it's okay, because you know what was inside of Peter. A fountain of living water. A fountain of living water. And it gushed up. And just as Jesus was able to minister to this woman and speak to her needs, speak to what was going on, because she's, if anything, she's getting close to the first stage of development. She's in that, that, uh, if she's not born again yet, she will be soon and she'll be in the first stage of development. She's not ready to move, move beyond that. But Jesus has fountains of living water rising up. And he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask of me to give you water. Because i got some special water. And Jesus heard it all naturally. Because people in first stage of development can't hear spiritual truth. They hear it all naturally. You tell them something spiritual, they hear it natural. Oh, well, I'm not supposed to do that. Oh, I'm supposed to do that. No, 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 no. Remember the disciples are in the boat and Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they turned to each other and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. <laughs> Knew it. Should have brought bread. And Jesus turned on and said, we just got done feeding 5,000, people, 5,000 men, their wives and their kids. And then we fed 4,000 other men, their wives and their kids. And you're concerned because there's no bread amongst 12, 13 of us? Really? You not get it yet? You think I am concerned that we didn't bring bread? I haven't shown you. That's not what we're after here. Come on, get with it. It's about time you start hearing spiritual truth in spiritual ways instead of hearing spiritual truth in natural ways. First stage of development, you hear spiritual truth in natural ways. Second stage of development, I hear spiritual truth in spiritual ways. And third stage of development, I take spiritual truth and they explode on the inside of me to provide water for other people. That's the third stage of development. That's where you got to get to. Jesus is just sitting there and the water explodes on the inside of him and it comes out and he ministers to this woman he tells her stuff all sorts of things speaks to her and sends her excited back into the city to go get some more people and they go back and they get some more folks let's take a look at some more of of this passage and at that point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman yet no one said what do you seek or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. You see, people that are in the third stage can feed off of doing the will of the Father. And people in the first and second stage have no idea what that is is like. But people in the third stage, they know what it's like to do the will of the Father. And there's a satisfaction that comes from that that food itself won't give you. And Jesus said, I got food that you don't even know of. And so, again, they're hearing spiritual truth, naturally. Therefore, his disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? When did you guys come back early? Give him something to eat that we didn't know about? And Jesus said them, my fruit is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest and he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored. And you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, now, we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. They believed. So here's the story of this thing. We've covered this uh, some time ago. It was, and you may remember some of the points of this. But Jesus sent His disciples into the city. And the city was ripe for a harvest. And His disciples walked right into a harvest field and came out with food. That's all. They never recognized the harvest because they're not in third stage development. Their focus is not on the people. It's themselves. What do we need? We need to get food. So we came into the city and we got food. And we go on back to Jesus and Jesus teaches us a spiritual principle and we hear it in the natural. Did you you bring food? Disciples, first stage of development. That's all they're at at this point. Jesus sent them into a place where they could have a harvest. But I'll tell you what, Jesus knew, you're not going to get it. So you know what we'll call in this Samaritan woman. Even though she's really no further along than, than she is, she'll go out there and she'll at least spread the word and people will come. And she and he did. And this one woman went into the har- into the harvest field and brought out a harvest. Brought it to Jesus. But I think the intention was for the disciples to realize these folks are ready. Well, there was nothing. I mean they, nobody carried signs, nobody had uh, banners. Looking for Christ. We're ready for Christ. Anybody know about Christ? Anybody know where He is? Come on over here and tell us. We are ready to receive Christ. If they had put those out, the disciples might have gotten it. But they didn't. And they came back with just food. Third stage development, folks. People are focused on what people, what others need. Jesus had water to give. The woman didn't know about this water. The woman returns to town but has nothing to give, does she? All she can do is say, there's this Jesus guy and she brings him to Jesus. Here's the thing that stands out the most to those in this stage. The thing that stands out the most to people in this stage is not the works that they do. It's not the works that Jesus did. They're mindful of all those things. But what stands out to most of these people is the anointing. They look for the anointing. They sense the anointing. They look for the anointing in ministering to people. They look for the anointing in teaching. They look for the anointing in worship. I'm not content just to show up in the song service and sing songs. I want to worship. I want that anointing to come down on me. I want that anointing to be in this place. And I'm going to worship God with an anointing. I'm going to teach, not just convey information. But let the anointing of God come upon me. So when I speak the truth of God's word, it's exactly what the people need. I'm looking for ministry, and I'm not just looking to minister and just, well, you will know, we'll just pray, Oh, Father God, prepare them as they re- get ready to die. <laughs> no, no, no. We want, uh, we want anointing. We want power. We're looking to tap into what the power of God is doing. Jesus showed up and, got, and dead people raised up. Jesus got in there and lepers, un- uncurable people got healed. People went in there and even little stuff like fevers went away. He's ready. He's ready to minister. But there's an anointing. Jesus said when He started His ministry, He got in there, that what was upon Him? The anointing. The anointing. People that are in third stage of development, folks, are very conscious of the anointing. Very focused on the anointing. They're looking for the anointing. They're hungry for the anointing. They want the to be around the anointing. They want the anointing to be on the inside of them. And they expect that whoever it is that I minister to, whoever it is I come to, the anointing will empower me to help the situation out. That's third stage. I'm focused on other people. I'm focused on it. See, I, I don't have to pursue what is the will of God. I don't have to pursue w- what is my needs here. Because I know the will of God. I pursued that. I got that in the second stage. I know what the will of God is here to do. And I'm looking for the anointing. Where is the anointing? Now, people can sometimes shut down the anointing and Jesus ran into that. But you're focused on the anointing. In this stage, the focus is our speaking to others. Before it was our speaking to God, second stage. God speaking to us here, our speaking to other people. And we expect because of the anointing, it's going to be not just our words, but it's the words of the Holy Spirit. It's anointed words that come out of us. We said that the person in the second stage was sincere, Person in the first stage was more of a religious person, but if you' in the third stage, word I would put on this zealous there is a zeal that comes upon people when they are in third stage that they cannot get enough of God, they cannot pursue enough of God, they want everything they, they want God to work through them, they are looking for opportunities in Titus chapter two and verse eleven, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. Not just religious works, but works working the power of God. Then go back to verse verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and word of us, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present, present age. What's that? Stage one, right? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people zealous for good works. God wants, wants us to get what we need out of stage one. And He wants us to find out what we need to do, what we need to get rid of. But He wants us to get over to stage two where he begin, we begin to receive the words He speaks to us. And He can begin to shape us and help us and bring us into that place. And pretty soon we begin to come hungry for something more. We're not willing to go into a harvest feel like the disciples were and come out with nothing. We're tired of hearing spiritual truth and coming out with natural understanding. I want to come. I want to hear spiritual truth and come out with spiritual understanding. I want God to speak to me that will help my situation. Because there is wisdom that you need for your specific situation, for things that are going on in your place. And you need to get to the place where God speaks to you and God says, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. And we look for that anointing and expect that anointing because the anointing of God is going to come down on us and empower us to get it done. I summed up these three stages this way in three words. First one, beware. First stage of development, you are in a beware stage. Beware of this. Beware of that. We're, we're, we're in almost... A, uh, I don't want to mess up. i am got to be careful. I don't want to get involved with that. We're in a beware stage. Second stage of development is become. Because God wants us to become something and so He speaks to us and we listen to Him. Because I don't want to just be in the beware stage. I want to be in a become stage. I want to become what He has called me to be. I want to become the things that He told me that I could do. I want to be in a becoming mode. And here in the third stage, behold. Behold. Jesus told the disciples, Behold, the field is white and the harvest. The disciples probably looked out at that point and said, "Well, I see no white. I see some people out there and a little bit brown. I don't really see white." What is he talking about? White? I mean, behold, the fields are white and the harvest. We need to get out of our beware stage. And get out of it what you need to. Get into your becoming stage. And if you're in the becoming stage, get ready to move over to the behold stage. Because not only do you behold, the field is white and the harvest. But when Jesus speaks spiritual truth, you can behold the understanding of what He speaks. Behold. When God leads you into a thing and He has a calling for you, you can behold what it is that He's called you to. And life becomes exciting. In the first stage, the beware stage, it's tough to maintain a Christian life with all the opposition that comes against you when all you're doing is not doing this and pursuing that. The Word of God told us that opposition would come, persecution would come for the Word's sake. Because of the Word that is in us, persecution would come. And if you just stay in that first stage of development and all you have is a bunch of list of rules and regulations, it's only going to get you so far. You get into the second stage, you got a lot better shot. Because now you're hearing from God and God's speaking to you and you can, He can develop you. You can, you can survive a whole lot better at the second stage. But oh, to get to the third stage. The behold stage. When God speaks something and behold, the world opens up. Where God says one sentence into your life and you have Huge amounts of understanding. Fast revelation comes to you. Wow, oh, this is good. This is good. This is where we need to be. There was a story of a little boy and he uh fell asleep and fell out of his bed. Plopped on the floor. Well, you know, as a parent, you hear when the kids fall on the floor. And you heard the thump. And so the dad came on in to check on the little boy and he found the little boy on the floor so he picked the little boy up and he put him back into the bed. He said, said, son, son, what happened? And he said, dad, I fell asleep too close to where I got in. Too many times, folks, people, Christians, are falling asleep too close to where they got in. We got in in stage one and we fell asleep and we just kind of stayed there. And you end up falling. Oh, but God doesn't want you to fall. He wants you to get all the way in. He wants you to get past the first stage, into the second stage, and into the third stage. And if you're asking the question, how long does stage one last? Stage one lasts all the way as long as until you get to stage two. You need to write that down, don't you? <laughs> stage one lasts all the way up until you get to stage two. Whether that's a short period of time or a long period of time is up to you. How many of you all know some of your babies stayed in stage one a little longer than the others? Same way with Christians. Some will stay in stage one longer than others. But oh, if you know that stage two is out there and if you know the benefits of stage two. See, when you're little, you are just running around, you don't know the, d- the benefits of not having a diaper. You don't know the benefits of going and getting your own meal. But when you learn the benefits, oh, I want to go forward. And here's the one thing to be careful of. Make sure you never go backwards. Never go backwards. Never go from stage two back to stage one. Never go from stage three back to stage two. When you make progress, stay there. Track your progress. Where are you right now? Stage one? Stage two? Stage three? Where are you? Go back and listen to some of your prayers. Look at how you're studying the Word. Look at the things you're getting from the Word. Where are you? It's not hard to track. Just like getting one of those little UPS FedEx tracking things, you can see exactly where you are. You don't have to wonder. God says, come on, let's move on. Let's move on. Life is better in the next stage. Life is better. So we move up. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank You that we can track our progress as Christians. We can know where it is that we are, where it is we're supposed to get to. We can see what's ahead for us. That You have a desire for us to get out of stage one, get into stage two. Get out of just always looking at our needs and get into looking at what does God want from me? And after we glean from that area for a while, you're going to say, all right, it's ready for you to get into stage three. Now, move on. And we're going to begin to focus on what others need. And we're going to come to you to hear what you have to say for them. And as we do that, as we come to you and expect that anointing to rise up on the inside of us to teach others, all oh, right along the way it teaches us. We will have things come out of our mouth that we did not know. You will speak to us things we didn't understand before. But because we were willing to teach others, because others came and draw, drew, drew off of us. Answers came that we didn't have before. And we can enjoy them just as much. Thank you for the help that you give us. Thank you for the directions that you take us. Thank you for the pruning process of not only taking things away that are harmful, but adding things that are helpful. And moving us from stage one to stage two and into stage three. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. When you get into stage three, folks, and people start, you begin to minister to other people, you will never fear someone asking you a Bible question again. Never. Because you will look forward to it. Because when other people come to you and they say, What is the answer to this? A lot of times in stage one, even sometimes in stage two, you cringe and say, Oh, you're asking me a Bible question. You're trying to tap into my knowledge. I don't understand. I don't know. I can't tell you. But you get into stage three and you say, Father God, somebody needs some water. I thank you that I have an abundant fountain on the inside of me that springs up. And things will come out of you and you'll get answers that you didn't have before. But if you weren't willing to minister to the other people, the answer would not have come to you. You wouldn't have gotten it. Stage three, folks, it's a beautiful place. God teaches you and you teach others. It is one It is one powerful thing to feel the power of God flow through you into someone else and see the manifestation of it. Oh, it's good stuff. That's what God has for you. That's what God wants for you. Get out there and enjoy it. Take it. God wants you to.